Welcome to the Trucking Market Update on the State of Freight Podcast, brought to you by FTR, where we share timely transportation intelligence with you on a weekly basis. The Trucking Market Update is hosted by FTR's Vice President of Trucking, Avery Weiss. As Avery presents the information in the podcast, you can follow along and review the graphs and indicators by downloading the PDF or PowerPoint of the presentation from our podcast landing page. A link to the PDF and PowerPoint is available now at www.ftrintel.com podcast. From there, you can also find past episodes and downloads for the Trucking Market Update, as well as the weekly rail market update with Todd Tronowski and much more. That link again is www.ftrintel.com podcast. Welcome to FTR's weekly trucking market update. I'm Avery Weiss, Vice President of Trucking. This is episode 194 for the week of January 2nd, 2023. Happy New Year. Before we start, a reminder that you can download a PDF with graphics related to this discussion at www.ftrintel.com podcast. Okay, our last podcast was two weeks ago, and there's a fair amount of ground to catch up on. Uh, we'll uh, start with a brief discussion of a regulatory development that occurred just a couple of days after our previous podcast. Uh, the Environmental Protection Agency unveiled its final rule to reduce emissions of oxides of nitrogen, or NOx, and other pollutants from heavy-duty trucks effective with model year 2027. EPA's March 2022 proposal had also included some changes to existing model year 2027 heavy-duty greenhouse gas, or GHG, emission standards, but the agency ultimately chose to consider any changes to Phase 2 GHG standards as part of an upcoming rulemaking on Phase 3 standards. EPA plans to issue that proposed rule by the end of March. The agency's approach in the final rule was not simply to tighten NOx emissions limits, but also to ensure that those limits were achieved under a broader range of operating conditions and over a longer operational life than required under existing regulations. The rule requires lower emissions over a wider range of testing conditions, both in the lab and when the trucks are operating on the road, and EPA adopted longer useful life periods and increased uh, the minimum emissions-related warranty periods. The Truck and Engine Manufacturers Association said manufacturers were committed to working with EPA on a successful implementation, but it noted that, quote, it is clear the rule is very stringent and will be challenging to implement, end quote. Uh, EMA, as well as the American Trucking Associations, also said that the success or failure of the rule depends on the willingness of trucking fleets to purchase trucks that necessarily will be more expensive. And one of the <clears throat> factors in all of that, of course, is the transition away from diesel into to electric. But uh, for now, diesel is the thing, and let's talk about diesel prices. After seven straight weeks of decreases, totaling nearly 80 cents, the national average price of on-highway diesel increased 4.6 cents during the week into January 2nd. Average price is $4.58.3 a gallon. The prior week's price of $4.53.7 a gallon had been the lowest since February 28th of last year. Price increases were fairly broad-based, 
But two regions seeing notable decreases were the Central Atlantic and New England. And those, were, of course, were regions that had seen big price jumps in May and again in October as supplies of distillate had tightened. Inventories have loosened significantly since then, and it does not appear that the supply of diesel is having much effect on pricing any longer. While the northern half of the East Coast saw price relief, the lower Atlantic saw a significant increase. Indeed, the only region seeing a larger gain in diesel prices during the week was the Gulf Coast region, but it's important to acknowledge that that region also still has the lowest average price of diesel uh, of any region in the country. If the supply of distillate isn't a market mover at this point, nor apparently is the price of crude, West Texas Intermediate continues to trade basically between $75 and $80 a barrel. Okay, let's move on and talk about the spot market for truck freight during the week ended December 30th, which of course is the final week of the year. As I mentioned in the last podcast, the moves in rates and volumes in the final few weeks of the year, as well as the first week of the new year, don't really mean all that much, and we're not going to go into as much detail as we typically have in the past. In general, the spot market acted during the final two weeks of December as we would expect. We saw sharp increases in van segment rates, as we typically do. The surge in refrigerated was especially large, totaling more than 67 cents over the final two weeks of the year. Refrigerated rates were at their highest level since February. Dry van rates also saw a sharp gain, rising more than 24 cents over the final two weeks of the year. Those rates ended 2022 at the highest level since July. The flatbed segment was not nearly as strong. Uh, Over the final two weeks of the year, the net gain was less than six cents, including a decrease of about three cents in the final week of the year. The sharp gains in van segments are typical for December holidays, and moderation during January and beyond also is typical, especially if the country does not experience any unusually severe and widespread winter conditions, such as what we saw in uh, February of 2021 or in January of 2014, just as examples. Although we are limiting the detail of the spot market discussion until we get past the holiday distortions, you can find the usual charts in the presentation deck accompanying this podcast. Also, if you want more details, you can always check out the weekly spot market insight summary that we publish at www.ftrintel.com slash spot market insights. Okay, let's wrap up the weekly indicators with a quick look at unemployment benefits and mortgage rates. Over the past couple of weeks, we've seen a modest increase in the number of initial claims for unemployment benefits, but nothing really remarkable. Uh, Regarding continued claims for benefits, for a couple of weeks, there had been hardly any change at all, but continued claims jumped by 41,000, seasonally adjusted to 1.71 million in the latest week, and that is the highest level since February of last year. Mortgage rates haven't changed much either. But they were up slightly in the latest week, which is notable because it was the first increase in seven weeks. The rate on a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage was 6.42%, according to Freddie Mac. Okay, let's move on to monthly indicators. And since we're already talking about the housing market, uh, at least in the context of mortgage rates, let's stick with that and discuss November indicators for both 
home sales and home construction. Sales of existing single-family homes fell 7.6%, marking the 10th straight month of decline. Also, the 3.65 million annualized sales rate uh, fell to the same level as that uh, during the early pandemic month of May of 2020. Although mortgage rates have eased recently, the National Association of Realtors data is based on closings, not contracts, and thus generally reflects contracts that were initiated around the time of the 20-year highs in mortgage rates when they were briefly above 7%. Higher mortgage rates are not just depressing buying activity, but they are discouraging listings of homes, uh, NAR noted. Despite the lowest sales rate in nearly a dozen years, the inventory of single-family homes listed for sale at current sales rates was unchanged at 3.3 months, which is still lower than what was typically the case before the pandemic. <clears throat> Falling sales have depressed prices. Uh, the median price of a single-family home in June was a record $420,900. Since then, the median price has fallen every month and was $376,700 in November. While, the sales of, while sales of existing homes were weak, sales of new single-family homes rose for the second straight month in November, increasing nearly 6% to a seasonally adjusted rate of $640,000. Now, there is a little bit of a caveat here. Following revisions of prior months, the revised October sales rate was significantly lower than the preliminary figures, so November's rate actually is not all that much stronger than what we thought October figures had been. With the stronger sales, the inventory of new homes for sales relative to current sales rates eased to 8.6 months, which is just barely above the rate in August and otherwise was the lowest since May. The median home price declined uh, nearly 3% from October's record level to $471,200. Okay, let's talk about residential construction, which was a mixed bag in November, as housing starts declined only slightly from an upwardly revised October rate, but permits authorized for future construction plunged. Ongoing residential construction activity was strong in November, with a sharp increase in completions uh, and the number of housing units uh, still under construction flat. <clears throat> housing starts eased half a percent, but after a Census Bureau revision of data from prior months, the November construction rate was significantly stronger than what had been initially reported for October. Starts in November were more than 9% below February 2020 levels, but they are still running well above the construction rate in 2019. In keeping with the recent trend, the strength in housing starts rested with units in multifamily buildings. Those saw an increase of nearly 5%. Meanwhile, single-family starts fell more than 4%. Multifamily starts in November were 13.6% higher than they were in February of 2020, while single-family starts were down more than 20%. Permits authorized for future construction fell more than 11%, and that is the largest drop since April of 2020. Uh, for the first time since uh, June of 2020, permits were below February 2020 levels, but they were still running well ahead of levels seen before mid-2019. Permits were more negative for units in multifamily buildings, 
dropping nearly 18%, while single-family permits were down about 7%. Okay, that's enough of housing, but we'll stay with data that is in the consumer realm. Real consumer spending in November was basically unchanged, owing to a three-tenths of a percent increase in real spending on services, which offset a six-tenth of a percent decrease in real spending on goods. Keep in mind that services represents about 60% of consumer spending, so that's why that you can have a flat uh, overall spending, even though the uh, increase in spending on services was smaller than the decrease in spending on goods. Okay. Within spending on goods, real spending on durables fell 2.3%, while real spending on non-durables dipped just two-tenths of a percent. The decline um, is much bigger for durables because of uh, spending on uh, goods was lower in new motor vehicles, and that was especially the case with new light trucks. Something else we've been watching closely is personal savings, and there's some good news and bad news. Well, the good news is that personal savings increased in November uh, to 2.4%. The bad news is that savings were up from a downwardly revised 2.2% in October, which was just a tenth of a percent higher than the all-time low savings rate in July of 2005. Okay, let's talk about something that's sort of related to consumer spending, and that's retail inventories. In November, we saw a continuation of the trend toward higher retail inventories of motor vehicle and parts. They increased 1.2% for the seventh straight increase and the 12th increase in the past 13 months. Even with those steady gains, however, automotive inventories are still nearly 14% below the pre-pandemic month of February 2020. However, if we go back to October of 2021, which was the month before that trend began, that deficit was nearly 36%. Meanwhile, inventories excluding motor vehicles and parts declined for the third straight month, although the decline was just three-tenths of a percent, and the decrease back in September was negligible at a tenth of a percent. Retail inventories excluding automotive uh, are 13.4% uh, above February 2020 levels, of course, continued strong retail sales have kept the inventories to sales ratio fairly lean. We'll revisit that in a few weeks when we discuss the official inventories to sales ratio data for November. Finally, let's discuss demand for manufactured goods, specifically durable goods. New orders for durable manufactured goods in November fell 2.1%. That's the biggest drop in a single month since April of 2020. However, the decrease is fully attributable to the aircraft sector, and that's both civilian and defense. New orders for defense aircraft dropped nearly 9% in November, while new orders for civilian aircraft plunged more than 36%. If we exclude transportation equipment, new orders actually increased, albeit only by two-tenths of a percent. That was also the the increase that we saw in core capital goods, which is non-defense capital goods excluding aircraft. Core capital goods orders remain very strong and were just slightly below August record in the latest month. However, as I've pointed out before, the Census Bureau data is not adjusted for pricing. So on a unit basis, we likely are continuing to see some stagnation 
albeit stagnation at a very strong level. Total durable goods orders, new orders in November, were nearly 17% above February 2020 levels, excluding transportation. Uh, They were nearly 19% higher than February 2020, and new orders for core capital goods were almost 23% higher than February 2020. Okay, let's wrap up the podcast by recapping some key takeaways. Uh, Diesel prices moved higher after falling nearly 80 cents in seven weeks. Spot rates uh, rose due to the van segments and especially refrigerated. Continued claims for unemployment benefits moved higher. Mortgage rates have changed little after a recent sharp drop. Sales of existing uh, single-family homes fell for the 10th straight month. Sales of new homes uh, increased for the second straight month. Housing starts eased slightly, but permits uh, authorized for future construction fell sharply. Consumer spending was basically flat in November. Uh, Higher spending on services offset a decline in spending on goods. Retail inventories in automotive rose in November, but other retail inventories declined. And the aircraft industry was responsible for a sharp drop in new orders for durable manufactured goods. Next week, we'll talk mostly about the labor market with a discussion of the employment situation report for December and job openings for November. Plus, we'll talk about diesel prices and the spot market for truck freight during the latest week. That's it for FDR's Trucking Market Update, episode 194 for the week of January 2nd, 2023. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and we hope you will join us. it for this week's trucking market update on the state of freight podcast you can find more publicly available state of freight content and download the pdf and powerpoint of today's presentation by going to www.ftrintel.com podcast ftr is the leader in freight transportation forecasting in north america providing consistently reliable reports for trucking rail and intermodal transportation as well as providing demand analysis for commercial vehicle and rail car For more information about the work of FTR, visit www.ftrintel.com or call us at 888-988-1699 to find out which publications will best support your business.